Coming up, we have stories about ruined lives or not. Irrational in-laws, selfish vacationing husbands, roommate bathroom etiquette, feuding spouses, wedding dress dilemmas, petty revenge texts. Texts. Why is that hard to say? Petty revenge texts. A spicy reward story. And of course, cake. This is a follower-submitted story, and it is titled, Am I the Askonaut for Ruining My Daughter's Life? OP, if you're in chat, you know what to do if you want to claim your story. I have an 11-year-old daughter. We gave her a phone two years ago. It was an old iPhone 8 of mine. She mainly uses it for texting with friends and social media. Recently, she's been wanting a new phone because her phone was old and all of her friends have new phones. So I thought the iPhone 13 would be a good option as it's $600, has a good camera slash battery life, and it looks the same as every other iPhone. But she specifically wanted the iPhone 15 Pro Max because apparently it plays console level games and has a 120 hertz display. My daughter is a gamer and has always complained about her phone not being able to game properly as it's old. I did already... I did already tell her she'd be getting an iPhone 13, but she's adamant about the iPhone 15 Pro Max, which costs double. Honestly, I think it's a waste of money and said no. My daughter then got mad at me and said that I was ruining her life and that her best friend has the 15 Pro Max. My wife is considering getting the phone and telling my daughter it's a big gift. Am I the astronaut? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Candy Thunder. Okay, so let me get back to the story here. Hi, guys. So I think if I was willing to buy a new phone, I would say, hey, here's my budget. If you want the iPhone 15, then you need to come up with the additional funds to to get the phone that you want. Mm. Like I'm saying, if I wanted to spend $600 on a phone for you, here's 600 You come up with the rest, and then you get the phone you want. But, I mean, what, she's 11? She's 11? And she's throwing this much of a fit. I'm sorry. I thought she was 16. My realization just happened. Uh, <laughs> no, you're 11. You get what you get. I mean, your mom, your mom's offer, your dad was offering you a, a $600 phone at 11. I mean, come on. Our 11 year olds got like our hand me down phones. Like we didn't like now that they're older, we get them their own devices and their new phones. But I, I, it's 11. I, think, I mean, I don't know. That's I very entitled at 11. We have been uniquely fortunate to an extent with with our kids' view of electronic devices, though, because they've never come home saying, oh, my gosh, I have I to agree. have the newest yeah, iPhone because everybody has it. And and we'll even hear we're an Android family. We're we're a we're a Google Pixel family, more specifically. Right. We will even hear. Uh, here's some, some reports where people will give them, kids will give them shit for, for having an Android or using a Google pixel phone. And, and the response is so great because it's like, uh, I love it. I think it's better. Whatever. Yeah. They do not get bothered by, by what people say about their phones. I mean, I don't know. I just can't imagine. Uh, I don't know how I would respond because our, our kids aren't, aren't like this really. I mean, even Caden has an iPhone and when, even when he was younger, it was never like. I need this or I'm yeah or, or this is the end of life like he never never once would would have said that so 
I give her a wall phone with a hundred foot cord <laughs> grim. There I you think go. this is just trying super... to play games on that, kid. Welcome think... back to my generation. <laughs> Wasn't even a cordless. Here's... It's stuck to the wall. Here's your Nokia. Yeah, you can play Snake. Play you can game and play Snake on your Nokia. Um, I think that you have a bigger issue, and that's that your 11 year old daughter thinks she's entitled to an iPhone 15 without doing any work to get the iPhone 15, and that your wife is potentially willing to give her what she wants without mm. any work being done towards this phone. Um, so I think I think that's a, a much bigger problem than whether whether she's going to get a 13 or an iPhone 15. Agreed. And and I, I mean there are several red flags in here. The fact that she feels like her life is going to be ruined if she doesn't get this device is yeah. And I understand that's a teenager response. However, I think if you look at this and <laughs> and one of the main jobs as a parent being preparing them for independent life later on, preparing them for later on and and learning that you're not always going to have the new hotness all the time. How are right. you going to cope? How are you going to cope? And comparison is the thief of joy, right? Are you just doing this because your friend has it? Like she says here at the end, or is she truly a gaming enthusiast? And that's why she wants it. And if she truly is a gaming enthusiast, why don't we start working on acquiring components to do a custom PC build together? Like, why don't we, why don't we start exploring that passion without just dumping a bunch of money into it? and mean, like there's the new hotness. Why don't we start exploring that and seeing if we can, if we can fertilize that passion and turn it into something that that they can explore further, but have some real reward for by working for it. Like computer right. opponents, components, computer opponents, computer components. You you can pick up one at a time, right? You can start building those and gather one small thing at a time by doing some odd jobs, by doing some summer work, by doing some babysitting, whatever. But that can be a journey toward it, or she can work for the iPhone if that's really what she wants. I don't understand the whole mobile gaming thing because I'm. I guess that's just where I'm at. I'm like, look, if you want a game, like, I mean. Yeah, I think it's different with the new phone's capability. I honestly have no idea, though. I don't know. We're like old people talking about gaming. I just can't imagine trying to game on something (laughs) that I'm holding right here. It's too small. I think it's different. I need a big screen. I think it's different. But I think you need to ask your your partner why why they're giving in um, and just getting her the phone she wants. Like, when you guys decided the 13 would be good. Like, figure out why. But my wife is considering, so it's your wife, getting the phone and telling my daughter it's a big gift. Well, yeah, it's a big gift. Yeah. Well, it's not even, she didn't say like, they didn't say birthday gift or anything like that. Just gift. It's a gift. <laughs> That's well, a, yeah. Uh, you're not ruining her life by not getting her the 15 Pro Max. That's If that's the question, you are not ruining her life, I promise. But every, I think teenagers in general, their life, you know, only exists in that little bubble. So while to her right now, she feels like her life is being ruined. And I said that to my mom, so... But once I grew up, uh, I realized that my mom was basically always right. And the thing she didn't let me do or the thing she didn't let me have was probably a reason I didn't need those. And and I agree with what she did. And I would probably run things the same way. Oh, my Diet Coke is ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's my timer for my Diet Coke. Welcome to my life, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you.
Next story is a follower submission, and this one is titled, Am I the Astronaut for Having No Contact with In-Laws? OP, if you are in chat, you know what to do if you'd like to claim your story. My in-laws don't talk to us. Here's some context and why this even happened. I, 23 female, and my husband, 22 male, are new parents to an amazing three-month-old. Mother-in-law and I had a pretty decent relationship before all of this went down, and since my mom moved across four states, she became another mom to me really fast, and we bonded. She told me things like... I knew I wanted you to be my daughter-in-law. Now, she could have easily been blowing smoke up my butt, but whatever. Flash forward to the months leading up to my baby's birth, and I had mentioned on multiple occasions that three people were allowed in the room via the hospital protocol and my doctor's wishes. My husband, of course, my sister, my only family here, and my best friend of 12 years. Now, during the shock, excitement, and everything that comes with giving birth, the in-laws didn't know minute by minute what was happening. After the birth, I found out that my in-laws were yelling and harassing the hospital staff, blowing up my husband's phone while I was pushing and complaining about being in the dark. This isn't the first incident, but I had brushed the others off. Anyway, after about three hours, skin on skin is done and we are done with the adrenaline rush. I tell my husband to send in the new grandparents only to be left with silence and no text back. Hours go by. Finally, 3 p.m. the next day rolls around and my husband got a message from his dad talking about how they felt disrespected and how it was rude of us to not say anything to them and that he got fed up and was the one who wanted to leave. Yes, how dare you prioritize focusing on pushing that human football out of your body rather than updating somebody about pushing that human football out of your body? It's, it's appalling, OP. My goodness. At the end of the message, he said, I hope your new daughter doesn't treat you like this. As a new mom of 24 hours, I saw red. So I went to our group chat with all four of us and stated how I was disgusted with their behavior, how the, how the way they treated staff was uncalled for and how I've kept my mouth shut for long enough and that they weren't going to use my new baby as a pawn to guilt trip and gaslight my husband for being my new support system while giving birth. Needless to say, my mother-in-law didn't like that and immediately responded with grow the F up, bitch. Oh, no, she didn't. Let me get this straight. You're still sitting in the hospital bed. Having just pushed a tiny human out of your body and these people pull this bullshit, you finally bark back and she tells you to grow the F up, bitch. Here's the best part. Who thinks that they still think they're going to have a relationship with the grandbaby? Who thinks that they're still going to be like, when can we come to the hospital? My husband lost it. My mother-in-law said she didn't want anything to do with us. She has lied to family members about us and the things we have said won't tell the whole story and tells the family that they're allowed to see us but don't want to hear about us. Now, I'm a big family person because I don't know most of my family and I want my daughter to have her family and know she has people. I feel like I'm failing her in some way. I wanted to reach out, but I feel like they need to reach out first. We need to all sit down and talk it out and I feel like we owe an apology. I don't know what to do. Wait, wait. It says I feel like we owe an apology. I I feel like it should say we are owed an apology. You have done nothing wrong here, OP. You are in the NTA category here. Your in-laws. I don't understand how someone can look at this situation and be like, updating me should have been your top priority over your own health, over the health of the baby, over caring for your wife who was pushing a human out of her. 
the top priority should have been messaging me to tell me what you were doing during all these times. I don't know how anybody can have that mindset and be serious about it. It doesn't make any any sense. Candy Thunder says, do not apologize. If you do, it just gives them the right to do it again, which is true. This is uh, this is one of those pivotal moments where I don't know. Uh, this is one of those pivotal moments where I'm, I'm curious what the wedding was like and if any kind of similar bullshit was started then, because that's usually an indicator that something is going to happen whenever you have your first child and then on and on and on and on. This will set a precedent for what threshold of bullshit you're willing to accept and still let them have a relationship with your child we talked about we read some stories like this the other day people don't get to treat the parents like shit and then expect to have a relationship with the child that is not how this works if they want to have a relationship with her they need to show you the adequate amount of respect at minimum and this was not it this was not it and the fact that they are are portraying you as the villains to the the general public with this narrative that they've decided that they needed to control and get out in front of everything with it just makes it that much worse for them they're only harming themselves and look at it this way if someone is willing to do this kind of shit to you while you're having a child while you were actively birthing a child is that really somebody that you want your child to be connected with If that person is willing to do this and not apologize, not make amends for it, not grovel, not earn your respect back, is that somebody that you really want to be in your daughter's corner or child's corner? I don't think it is. And if they want to be a part of her life, they'll choose to be a part of her life by making it right. Do not, do not let them get away with this shit. Because if you do, there will be more shit, loads of it, and it'll be steaming Am I the astronaut for calling my husband selfish for not wanting to go on vacation with us? I, 37 female, and husband, 37 male, have been married for 10 years and have three children. Every summer, my family takes a vacation to the beach. I'm not a huge beach fan, but our kids love it. Plus, my mom pays for me and my siblings and our families, so it's almost a free trip, excluding travel there, which usually isn't a huge cost. Some years, only some of my family makes it, but a few years ago, my entire family, 50-plus people, went on a last trip with my grandma. Husband hates the beach, but reluctantly went with us. His behavior was horrendous. He wouldn't leave the condo, bailed on previously booked activities that made the cost go up for others, and didn't help at all with our kids. It was basically like he wasn't there, and when he was, he was complaining the whole time. I was so embarrassed. My family gave me the pitying stares the whole time and tried to help me as best they could, but it was just a miserable time. Our daughters begged him to play on the beach with them, and he just wouldn't engage at all. Since then, he hasn't accompanied us back. In fact, he will only go on vacations with us if it's a place of his choosing, which is usually hiking. Don't get me wrong, I like to hike, but I'd also like to do other things, and so would the kids. Now onto the part where I called him selfish. We are now planning our trip for this summer to the beach, and once again, he says he will not go. The kids are devastated again because they want him to go so they can swim together and build sandcastles together. He says he just hates the beach and there's no changing his mind. I got frustrated and called him selfish because he never wants to do anything that the kids enjoy. He said I was being a jerk and there's nothing that I can do that will make him like the beach. I told him it's not about like 
liking the beach. It's about spending time with his family. He says we could skip it and go hiking instead if we want to spend time together. So I said we won't be going on any more of his vacations. Now I feel guilty since that was the one thing he would do with us. Am I the astronaut? Edit one. I'm not going to deny my kids the yearly beach vacation. They look forward to it all year long, but they are quite literally the only ones without their dad present, and they've noticed. I never badmouth him in front of our children. Edit two. My whole extended family does not go every year. We don't spend the entire time together. There's plenty of downtime and time to be alone. I have suggested new places before and have been vetoed. His family also wanted to do a beach trip. They love the beach, but he refuses. Also, he has no trauma. He just hates the heat and sand and says it's boring. Edit three. We do go on smaller hiking trips throughout the year. Every other year, we take a long hiking trip in addition to the beach trip. We can only do that every other year as it isn't a free vacation. He has plenty of vacay time, so that's not an issue. He gets along with my side of the family. Also, in 10 years, he has only gone once. I didn't mind before kids, but I'd like for him to go every once in a while with us. I do not expect it every year. Okay, there we go. So the uh, the question here was, am I the astronaut for calling my husband selfish for not wanting to go on vacation with us? I am here we're, we're already there. We're already in NTA land here. We're going to go back to it. This is an NTA for me. Um, I think this is a case of somebody because he only wants to go on things that he chooses the destination for. I think this is an extremely selfish thing. I think this is somebody thinking, uh, I'll only do it if it's something that I really enjoy doing. And then uh, it's like the rest of the family's tagging along for it, right? He's not thinking about what would be the best thing for the family. What would be the thing that the kids really want to do? By his own logic, could the kids at some point here be like, you know, uh, I, I don't really like hiking. I'm not going to go. Could the kid choose to not go? Because dad did. It's okay for dad to do. Why can't the kids do it? If there's an educational trip, like we took the kids, all the kids to D.C. before Navy Thunder was born and did like an educational historical kind of trip. And one of them was like, ah, that seems kind of boring to me. I'm going to I'm going to opt out. Would that be okay then? I don't think it would be to dad, but he is he is sending the message that that is okay to do. I think the bigger issue for me here is that he is choosing not to be a dad. He's choosing to be uh, a self-absorbed person who only wants to do what they want to do and doesn't want to do anything that the group or family would enjoy more than just him specifically. And that is not being a dad to me. That that is a fail as a dad to me. Uh, Not everybody's going to agree with that. But I think I think when you look at these kind of things, it is you have to think about what the kids are going to find the most enjoyment for, from. And if, if it's not something that you love, who cares? Is it something the kids are going to love? And if so, if the kids are going to love it, love that the kids are going to love it and have fun with them while they're loving it. You don't have to love the sand. You don't have to love the heat. It's only boring. If you make it boring by sitting there feeling sorry for yourself, this is a selfish thing to do. And it's a fail as a dad, in my opinion. Am I the astronaut for using the bathroom, even though my roommate reserved it? Didn't know you could do that. So we've been living together for over a year now in college, and we have one attached bathroom. My roommate is the laziest person I know and lays down for days on end. He also uses the bathroom for hours every time he goes in and three plus hours when he needs to trim his beard twice a week. 
It doesn't take that long to trim a beard. I think it's in quotation marks there because he's trimming more than his beard. And even that doesn't take three plus hours. It doesn't matter how hairy you are. It doesn't take three plus hours to trim your entire body. If you were waxing your entire body twice a week, what is he, a freaking Chia pet? He just grunts. He's like, "Mm," and more hair just goes poof, pops out. That's how my beard grows. He also needs a minimum of 45 minutes in the bathroom every morning. So if we have 8 a.m. class, I am expected to be done and ready by 7.15 a.m. It sounds completely unreasonable. And I, too, could have used some extra sleep on some days since I only need about 10 minutes in the bathroom anyway. But he's a really old friend of mine, so I try to adjust. Like this, he also reserves the bathroom from X time to X time because he has to get ready to go somewhere. And I'm just not to use it during that interval. I'm happy to coordinate as well because I hardly need much time in the bathroom. The problem is that he also is the laziest person I know. So even though I'm not using the bathroom because of him, he also continues to lay down and not use it at all and the bathroom just stays empty slash unused. Now, if I try to use it after that, suddenly he too has to use it and will not continuously saying, dude, I have class too, even though 90% of the time he ends up not going anyway. If I tell him how he doesn't use the bathroom, nor does he let me, he'll say things like, yeah, but it's my time, so it doesn't matter when I go as long as you don't go. But the bathroom isn't like a plane seat that you can reserve, right? It's a shared asset. So I've now started to wait for 10 minutes only and use the bathroom anyway while ignoring his knocking during his reserved time if I do need to go to the bathroom, which brings me here. I don't mind letting him reserve the bathroom as long as he at least uses it. But him just laying down while I just have to wait till his time is over really bothers me. Am I the Askinaut? Edit. Thanks for all the replies. The reason I chose to stay with my roommate is because I have known him since school and I've had other roommates before and the male crowd... Uh, Indian college single sex hostels is absolutely terrible here and hygiene was non-existent with both of my previous roommates and this guy is clean at least <clears throat> I think the entire world is going to side with you and saying you are not the asshole for using the bathroom even though your roommate reserved it the fact that your roommate is willing to reserve the bathroom and then not actually use it but only bitch about you using it if you use it during his reserved time is absolute horse shit horse shit and it sounds like this might be the first time he's ever had to share anything ever like how did, how did this kid get through school like preschool kindergarten elementary everything without ever learning how to share This is not like his house. It is a shared asset. You're right. If you are paying for your dorm space here, if you're paying for this room and he is monopolizing time over a shared asset, I think he should be paying more. If he's willing to pay more for a greater use of that shared asset, sure. Let him pay for 75% of the bathroom space. You only need 25% of it or less anyway. Even then, he doesn't get to say you can only use it between X and Y time. It would just be that the time you do use it doesn't equal more than 25% of 24 hours in a day. This is the the, roommate is being extremely childish and just doesn't like to share. And it's redonkulous. This is from the Dusty Thunder subreddit. This is a cake reward story, and it is titled, Am I the Askinaut for sending away the girl who came to clean my house because she ate my cake? 
And here to do a guest reading of this story is the one and only Tony Spark, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god, it's Tony Spark! Hi. All right. I, 24 female, am married to my husband, 28 male, and we have one daughter together, 4 female, Aaliyah. We both work a lot, and I also work from home often. I needed cleaning, so last week I called an agency, and they sent a girl over to clean the house, and we agreed on $40 an hour. Let's call her Eva. So Eva, who is around 19 to 20 years old, arrives in my house with her little sister, 8 female. I asked her why her little sister was with her, and she said she had no one else to leave her with. I wasn't very pleased, but I assumed she didn't have a choice, and I didn't say anything. I showed Eva the playroom and said it needed to be cleaned as well, and her sister started staring around the room, touching all the toys. I again didn't say anything. Eva started working, and I went to my room to get ready to pick up a cake for Alea and to pick up Alea from school. I heard a noise in Alea's playroom, so I rushed over and saw Eva's sister playing in the room. She broke a glass bowl that I had custom-made for Alea, Alea when she was born. I'm probably going to get this name like right and wrong like four different times. So Anyway. At this point, I was annoyed again, but I held back and told Eva to clean it up and keep an eye on her sister. I went out and picked up Alea's favorite cake. It was a cake that had strawberries only on one side, on the top, and there were more decorations, etc. I put it in the fridge and left again to pick up Alea. When, when we walked in the kitchen, I saw Eva's sister eating a big piece of the cake, specifically the part with the strawberries and decorations. Oh no, that's not good. That's not good. That's not your cake. I've never had an issue like this before. In fact, the cleaning ladies have never opened my fridge because they have no business there. I asked Eva what she thought she was doing, and she told me, my sister was sad and really wanted cake, so I figured she could have a piece. That's, that doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> seem, seem like the right thing to do. Alea started crying because she'd been looking forward to her cake with strawberries, and now the pieces with strawberries were gone. I told Eva that it was not her place to figure out whether her sister could eat something from my fridge without asking me. She could have waited for me to get back because I told her I would be back. I told her that even if she did do this, she shouldn't have taken the whole decorated piece because she should have figured out that this cake was meant for my daughter. Eva said, you're getting mad for no reason. Just take the money for my pay. Okay, well, we'll think it works that way. Like, I told her she could pack up her stuff and leave with her sister and she didn't have to finish the house cleaning. She had been at the house for only two hours, but I paid her $120 and told her to get out. I told a friend and she told me that I overreacted over a piece of cake and I should have been more understanding toward the little girl. I again said that it is not just cake, but it is rude to open my fridge and take out take out a cake that is not unboxed yet and eat it. I am now wondering, am I the astronaut? Edit, Eva was supposed to be there for three hours and I sent her away after two hours and yelling at her, but paid her for three hours. So she came in and she stole your cake. Like she heard sister ate a piece of the cake and then you still paid her for more time than she was there that's really nice but anyway what are your thoughts dusty thunder my face is just stuck like this like he said it's not just about the cake the fact that it's cake makes it worse makes it so much worse and she broke a bowl somebody somebody said she broke the bowl too that's (sighs) don't forget about that uh neen makes a good point here and yeah this is this is about boundaries this is about uh permission was not not asked it was not requested first it was not there no kind of path here was was a path of respect there could be a cultural boundary there could be there could be a, a several things that caused this to get muddy however i think if you are doing work for someone you are in someone else's space it is common universal knowledge that you don't just start rifling through the cabinets and taking things right this was this was this was someone who was comfortable enough to just take something um 
the bigger issue for me is that when OP got upset about it, she says, you're getting mad over nothing. Just take it from my pay. And that that is an act to minimize OP's feelings. It was essentially like someone telling you your feelings don't matter um, and or your feelings aren't aren't relevant. They aren't real. They aren't justified. Um, and and you can't just you can't just snap your fingers and replace that. You know, it was it was event specific. It was time specific. It was needed at a specific time. So this is this is a larger inconvenience than she has made it out to be. The fact that she just minimized everything about it being a problem is what really pisses me off here. I think OP did the right thing. I think OP's path here is completely justified to get upset about it, to dismiss her, to still pay her for for the full time that she should have been there. Like there should be no way in hell that she can come back and be like, you wronged me after this, right? Yeah. There should be no way in hell. I think OP removed the threat without without opening the door for for any blowback at all. And uh, and that's it. I, I think it's a you can't trust this person, though, moving forward. That's that's the hard part. And I think um, it's a bad Yelp review. coming. It is a bad Yelp review. One. And if you find particularly service people who are individual service people like this, like if you have a, a service that does anything for you, freaking freaking barbers are the same it's the same kind of thing right like you find somebody good like you you want that relationship to stay healthy and positive because you don't want to have to find another person finding another solid dependable good service person is is hell so to have to go through the pain of now finding another person to to fill that slot is an additional pain for op that they're going to have to go through here and that sucks but you can't trust this person anymore well, and it's just like it wasn't just one thing. It wasn't like, oh, she broke a bowl. Oh, she was playing with toys that she didn't even ask to play with. Right. And then she also ate cake that was not hers. It's not like it was a piece of leftover cake wrapped in some saran wrap in the fridge. Like, ah, oh, it's been there a couple of days. It was a brand new, unboxed, untouched cake, clearly for somebody's birthday. And you just go in there and be like, oh, yeah, well, I thought she wanted a piece, so it's fine. What? No, that's not. And you broke a bowl. And the fact that she still paid her was paid her the full amount of, I would have only paid her for the time that she was there. I mean like, well, okay, the rest of that is coming out to get a new cake or to yeah. fix a bowl that can't be replaced because it was made specifically for that person. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, the gall to, to go into somebody else's home and crack open the brand new cake and be like, yeah, yeah, I have, I have the right to do this. It's, it's not okay. And some people are, I see where they're like, kids shouldn't have been there. And that's probably true too. If there's really no other situation, mm. like, Give the kid an iPad or an iPhone and set them and say, hey, you sit here and fly. You know what I mean? Or bring something for yeah. them to play with. Bring them, bring them a toy. Bring them a game. Hand them your iPhone 15 Pro Max. Exactly. Am I the Askinoff for calling the cops on my mother? So I, 22 female, received a visit from my mom for New Year's. She came with one of my cousins and we hung out for a couple of days and it was great. The only time things were bad was when she asked if I could loan her about $500 and she promised to cash at me the money back when she got paid next time. I told her no. She tried to argue with me, but I shut her down and she let it go. I logged on to my credit card account online to pay my balance since my check came through that morning and I saw that my balance was much higher than I had expected. There were three charges I expected, my electric bill, my phone bill and some gas, and then several charges I knew weren't from me. 
They were for fast food, clothing places, etc. Thought it might be a glitch, so I called my credit card company and checked my wallet for my card. I realized that it was missing, and a nice customer service rep helped me with the whole process. But then I started walking through everyone whom my wallet had been around and every place it had been left since my last physical use of it. I ended up texting my mom because it was stressing me out and I felt like I needed to talk to one of my parents. But dad and I aren't on great terms. When I told my mom what happened, she told me not to worry and that it wasn't stolen. She had just borrowed it. If you borrow something without telling someone, that's stealing it, right? I just just borrowed it without letting you know. I was keeping it safe from you. Red flag for that. To be honest, I did lose my cool once I realized she wasn't joking. She insisted she'd cash at me the money when she gets paid the next day and that she thought she'd be able to handle it before I even noticed. I told her that's not acceptable and to cut up my card. I deactivated it anyway. She got upset and told me to stop throwing a fit and that she couldn't believe I was being such a brat about helping her. Things escalated from there and I did call her some names before telling her not to contact or come around me and hung up. After that, I called the police both in my area and in hers to see which precinct I needed to file charges with. My mom has blown up my phone so much so much since this that I had to block her and she is posting all over Facebook about how I'm getting her thrown back in jail just for borrowing some money and how she can't understand how she raised such a stingy child. Am I the Askinaut or losing my mind? I don't think I did anything wrong here. You didn't. You didn't do anything wrong. The This is uh, <laughs> the fact that your mom. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The fact that the narrative that your mom is posting on Facebook is, I can't believe my stingy little shit of a child is getting me thrown back in the slammer. Back in the slammer. All I did was borrow some money without telling, without saying anything. Didn't realize it would be such a big deal. What? Okay, so everybody who's connected with her and is seeing this narrative is like, yep, seems about right. No one, no one in the world thinks that you've done anything wrong here. Know that right now. Your mom doesn't even think you've done anything wrong here. She's just surprised that you, her own flesh and blood, turned her in. That's it. She's just surprised that uh, that she can't even screw over her own family without them speaking up. My goodness. No, you did the right thing here. Um, and now you know. Now you know that you you can't even trust her. You can't even trust your own mom, which sucks. But at least you know now. The question here was, am I am I the asking for calling the cops on my mother? Hell no. No, no, no. And your mom, your mom, we're taking her all the way up to ask on one because this was a terribly, a terribly. It's where I'm at, folks. Brain is like scrambled eggs right now. Mom is a terrible person. She knows she's a terrible person and she's accepted this. Like it's just her lot in life to be a terrible person and to do terrible things. And that sucks to be to be connected to someone in your immediate family who has just accepted that their lot in life is to uh, is to screw over everyone that they've ever known and continue doing so and have no inclination of breaking that cycle at all and to be a victim of life. Right. That's the part of this that pisses me off. The worst is Your mom, at least outwardly, blames you for getting thrown back in jail. Like, it wasn't her choices that did this. It was you that did this. Just, just, you're going to have to build up a wall, and you probably have. You built up a wall already to make sure that that none of the none of her bullshit can actually get through and affect you, which bravo, because you seem, you seem fairly well adjusted 
given the circumstances here. But yes, the the, the brass tacks of it are that you can't trust your own mother. She's going to stay with you. So you have to keep her at arm's length. Okay, this is a best of Redditor update story that is titled, Am I the Askinaut for wearing a white dress to a wedding after being specifically requested to by the bride? Okay. Bride requested that OP wear a white dress to a wedding. Got it. OMG, my head is such a jumble right now. Let me try to make sense of all this. When I, 26 female, was five, we moved, and our next door neighbors had a girl my age named Bella, 27 female. We immediately connected and grew up thick as thieves. Our families were also close. I moved a couple of hours away for college while Bella stayed home. She would come visit me frequently, stay with me, and we had great times. I met Barrett, 26 male, now in an econ class sophomore year and realized we had a lot of friends in common. He was a smart, attractive guy, so we ended up hooking up a few times after study sessions. It was fun but there wasn't really long-term chemistry, so we remained friends. We never even talked about dating. We weren't close after that, but we were on group text threads together and saw each other frequently at parties. I introduced Bella to Barrett at a party senior year, and it was love at first sight for her. She interrogated me about him, and I informed her of our history. She seemed pretty upset about the fact that we had hooked up, but I assured her that there was absolutely nothing romantic there and that she had my blessing to pursue him. She did, and after a few months, they started officially dating. She was over the moon. I was happy that she was happy. I graduated and accepted a job six hours away from home. Shortly afterwards, Bella and Barrett ended up moving in together in my hometown. I visited them frequently at first, but life got busy, so we ended up seeing each other annually at holidays. Last Christmas, my family hosted a Christmas Eve party with our two families at which Barrett proposed to Bella. It was a heartfelt proposal, and everybody was thrilled for them. Bella wanted to talk about nothing but wedding planning that holiday, and we had tons of fun brainstorming ideas together. There were no signs of what was to come, but good foreshadowing. Over the next few months, I expected to be formally asked to be Bella's maid of honor. She had mentioned this over the holidays, but the ask never came. She started screening my calls. Finally, I received a save the date in the mail and still hadn't heard from her about whether I was in the wedding, so I got her on the phone and asked her. She told me that she had thought it through and didn't think that I should be in the wedding at all because I lived so far away. She thought it would make coordinating bridal events too difficult. She was making her cousin, who she doesn't even like, her maid of honor. I was pretty hurt by this. I was her closest and oldest friend. I introduced her to her fiancé and was friends with him, too. I told her that I could get the time off work, would buy plane tickets, whatever was required of me, to participate. That I didn't think it was going to be as challenging as she thought. She shrugged this off. Instead, she directed the conversation to whether I was going to be bringing someone to the wedding. I was a little confused by this question because I had just had a bad breakup and she knew all about that and what had went down. I told her that since I wasn't seeing anybody currently, I'd probably be attending solo. She told me that she would keep my plus one open until the last possible minute and encouraged me to try to find a date so I wouldn't be lonely. I thought this was a nice gesture, but it reassured her that with my family present and tons of mutual friends from our college and hometown that I would be fine. The next few months passed without much incident. I didn't hear a ton from Bella. I probably could have reached out more, but I was still stinging a bit from not being asked to be in her wedding. I also saw on social media that she had an engagement party that she had not told me about or invited me to. That also hurt, but I didn't say anything. I figured we were just growing apart. It happens. Then six weeks prior to the wedding, I got a call from Bella. She told me that one of her bridesmaids had dropped out and that she was hoping I could fill in. 
I wouldn't be going to any of the events as those were already booked, but I would be in the wedding party. I was thrilled and relieved and accepted immediately. She told me that she was doing a reverse color palette for the bridal party where all of the bridesmaids and groomsmen were wearing white and that she and the groom were wearing black. That didn't seem strange. Bella has always liked to stand out and has unconventional taste. She apologized for the late notice and asked if I could find a white dress in time. I had a white slip dress already that would work and sent her a picture of it on the call to see if it would work. She verbally approved it and tagged it with a thumbs up on the text chain. This will be important later. The wedding was at noon, so we were supposed to meet to do hair and makeup at the venue at 8 a.m. I left my parents home early and arrived in sweats with my dress in a bag and greeted Bella and the other girls. We had fun drinking champagne and getting ready. About two hours prior to the ceremony, Bella told everybody to get our dresses on so we could do some pictures. I grabbed my bag and went to the bathroom to change and tweak my makeup. When I re-entered the room, every last bridesmaid was in a blue dress. I was the only one in white. My stomach dropped. Oh no. Did this girl really do this to this girl? My mind raced back to the conversation I had with Bella. She had said white, right? I hadn't misheard. No, I was certain. She had called out the reverse color scheme. I had googled it. No, this was a setup. Bella was in the middle of the room in a bathrobe with a resigned look on her face. She said to her cousin, I told you she was going to do something like this. Her cousin approached me and asked what I was wearing. I mumbled that Bella had told me to wear white. Bella didn't even blink. She stared back and huffed out a laugh and said something about how of course I would have to make today all about me. The cousin started screaming at me, going off on me about how I was jealous, in love with Barrett, and how completely unhinged I was. Honestly, I froze in that moment. I was so spun around by how fast everything went from great to shit, I couldn't even find the words to defend myself. Eventually, I stammered out that I had another dress at my parents' house and could go home and change. Bella said something like, I think we both know that this is the end of our friendship. I've given you too many chances. It's time for you to go. I started to cry. I didn't really know what was happening or what she was talking about, but I knew that whatever was going down was really bad. Finally, my legs started to work again and I fled. I left all of my things at the venue and just ran to my car and went home, sobbing in the white dress. About half an hour later, my phone blew up. Text from nearly everyone in my life telling me that I was bitter, that I was a whore, that I needed to grow up and get over my jealousy, asking how I could do that to Bella. Even my mother sent me a text telling me how disappointed she was in me and that we'd talk when they got home. I did what any rational person would do in that situation. I broke into my parents' liquor cabinet and got drunk. As a result, the conversation when my parents finally arrived home was somewhat confused. My dad wouldn't even look at me, and my mom and I kept talking past each other. She outright didn't believe that I had been told to wear white, and I didn't understand why. Then finally she said something like, because of everything else that happened. And I was like, what are you talking about? What does that mean? And she said, you know, your ultimatums to Bella. The next few hours revealed the truth. Over the last several months, Bella has been building a fiction with nearly everyone in my life that I am mentally unstable and mad madly in love with Barrett. She has concocted a web of outlandish tales and systematically poisoned my family and friends against me. My boyfriend apparently dumped me because my feelings for Barrett lie. He cheated and I dumped him. I told Bella that she needs to choose between me and Barrett. Never happened. I told Bella that I couldn't be in the wedding party because I couldn't support her marriage given that Barrett was meant for me. Lie. I had a major meltdown before the engagement party and that's why I wasn't there. On and on, lies on top of lies. In all of these stories, Bella has painted herself as the patient, long-suffering friend trying to deal with a friend clearly going through a tough time. She expressed understanding for my un unrequited love for Barrett and empathized with how hard it must be for me to see her marry the love of my life. 
and has made great efforts to try to sustain our friendship despite how complicated the situation is. The lie has been going on so long, my mom literally did not believe me. Finally, I grabbed my phone and handed it to her and told her to go through my text messages with Bella, asked her to show me any evidence of any of that happening. It was when she was scrolling through reading our messages that she saw the picture of the white dress I had sent Bella with her thumbs up on it. I had completely forgotten about it. The absence of any ultimatums or Barrett drama in our text and the picture of the approved dress flipped my mom. She finally believed me. She was horrified that she had bought into a false narrative. She called my dad into the room and explained what was what. My dad isn't the type of person you want to piss off. We had to spend significant energy trying to calm him down so he didn't walk next door and rip the house out from the foundation. My mom still says that I'm a bit of an asshole because I should never have assumed that I could wear white to someone else's wedding. I should have confirmed with the other bridesmaids about what they were wearing, and that was part of my job as a member of the bridal party. Fine, I own that, but it doesn't change the fact that I never meant to hurt Bella, and she's been setting me up for this epic fall for months. The next day, hungover on multiple levels, I sent screenshots of my call history with Bella and the photo of the approved dress text with to multiple people. Unfortunately, this is where my occupation works against me. I am a graphic designer, and people believe that I photoshopped the image. Trust me, if I was going to photoshop some proof, it would have been a hell of a lot more compelling than somebody liking an image. So pretty much nobody believes me except my mom, dad, and one of the other bridesmaids, one of Bella's friends from college I don't know well. She was there during the dress incident, and she found me on social media and DM'd me that she could tell from the stunned look on my face that I was telling the truth. She said that Bella had a pretty bad case of COVID at the beginning of the year and ever since then had changed as a person, becoming cruel and self-absorbed. She said the wedding events had been horrific and Bella was a monster and she was planning on going no contact now that it was done. So that's three people out of hundreds that don't think I'm an asshole. Everybody else does. My reputation destroyed. My life in tatters. I don't think I'm the asshole, but I submit myself to Reddit's judgment. We've got some some uh, relevant comments and Opie's answers and updates and stuff to go through, but I got, I got to take a drink of water. I, I don't understand the motive. I don't understand the need to to create this this massive collapse unless like Barrett speaks so highly of her that she perceives her as a threat and has to take her out. Uh, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. So relevant comments and original OP's answers to some questions. Did Barrett maybe say something about him having feelings for you that you did not reciprocate? This is possible, I guess, but I'm not aware of any incidents. I think perhaps this has more to do with Bella's cousin putting poison in her ear about me than Barrett actually having feelings for me. But that's just a gut instinct. I don't actually know. Bella's cousin. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they've got, yeah, they've got some kind of, some kind of thing going on there. And where was Barrett in all of this? You said he was your friend. So it seems odd that he would watch his bride attempt to ruin your life for the fun of it. The first time I saw him after last Christmas was at the rehearsal the night before the wedding. I gave him a hug and congratulated him and expressed how excited he must be and we talked about my drive up and how some of our mutual friends' flights had been canceled. It was entirely benign. Bella was talking to somebody else and I greeted her a bit later. I never saw him the day of the wedding because I didn't make it that far. I have no idea what he makes of all this, but I do have to imagine that he's been poisoned to believe I'm some deranged stalker as well. I haven't reached out to him because I'm worried doing so would add fuel to Bella's narrative. If your parents were at the engagement party, why didn't you tell them you weren't invited? My parents were not at the engagement party. My understanding was that it was more of a friend's engagement party than a familial one. But they did know that it happened, and I do think they expected me to come home for it. There was a lot of miscommunication between my mom and I. My parents are pretty low EQ, 
and uncomfortable with emotions and drama, so they didn't pry too deeply. My mom would ask me questions like, So, Bella told me a little bit about what's going on. Are you okay? And I would assume that she was talking about my cheating ex, where my mom was actually talking about my unrequited love for Barrett. And I would respond with something like, I'm struggling a little, but I'm getting through it. I'll be okay. Thanks, Mom. And like that, we kept talking past each other. Looking back, there were a few things my mom said that confused me, but I didn't seek clarity at the time. In response to some more questions on that thread... So if they expected you to come home for it, why did they never ask you about your plans to attend and when you would be home? I wish I could answer your question, but I genuinely do not know the timelines from my end. I don't know what my parents knew when, when the party invites went out, when my parents were told by Bella that I couldn't handle going. All of this happened without me knowing it, so I just don't know. Trust me, the fact that my parents thought all of this stuff was going on with me and didn't properly talk to me about it has been difficult to swallow. Okay. Time for the update. You ready? Okay, here's the update. January 16th, 2024, almost two months later. I've gone back and forth about updating my post. If you read my update, hopefully you'll understand why. For safety reasons, this will likely be my one and only update. Before I get started, I want to address a question a lot of commenters had about my parents. A lot of people were questioning why my mom would hear all of that stuff about me and not check in on me or comfort me. It's because I'm an apostate, renounced my family's religion. Last year, I left the religion my parents raised me in, which Bella is still involved in, so she has superior credibility. My politics differ also. From where mom and dad sat, I was a sinner capable of any act of evil because I turned my back on biblical principles. Assume that the broader religious community in this town believes the same of me. Despite this, I tried to have a relationship with my parents. I am an only child. They are my only family. But there was strain and distance there. For example, I did not tell my parents a lot about my breakup because the circumstances of that would reinforce some of my parents' worst beliefs about me. It's also the reason I haven't been home in the last year. It's also one of the reasons I assumed things were strained between Bella and I in the last year. I didn't bring it up because everybody wanted to point out my post was already too damn long. And this one will be too. Sorry. I would have guessed that the events of the wedding would strain my relationship with my parents further, but unexpectedly it had brought us closer. I think many of my parents' strong opinions of me were more about how they felt my leaving the church would ultimately reflect on them and the community. But now that the community has rallied against me and the worst has happened, they've circled the herd. They've waged holy war in their church on my behalf in the last couple of months. It's weirdly cemented that my parents actually do care about me, despite our differences as people. So in that regard, this awful event has been a blessing. A lot of the awkwardness between us from the last year has faded and it really feels like they've chosen a side and that side is mine. We had a great holiday together. So in that way, I'm glad this happened. On to the update. In the immediate aftermath of the wedding and post, I did as people suggested and sent out a screen recording of my text messages with Bella, all of them going back months to counter her narrative that I was unstable and explaining my side of the story. There were three camps that emerged as a result. First were my high school friends. Most of them are religious and had been extensively brainwashed by Bella. None took my side except for the one bridesmaid who had already contacted me. Next were the college friends closer to me. None of them had heard Bella's whisper campaign and accepted the evidence immediately. Several of them told me that they had never really liked Bella and that she had shit-talked me behind my back. This was news to me, but also a relief because these are the relationships I most don't want to lose, and it looks like I won't. The college friends who were closer to Barrett just didn't really care. A lot of these guys are classic dude bros that are drama adverse, so I'm not shocked they aren't relishing the chance to wade through and litigate the evidence. No hostility coming from these people anymore, but no support either. I can live with that. 
Bella's nuclear and extended family I have given up on. When I was back for Christmas, I tried to go over to speak to Bella's parents, who were like parents to me also, and they refused to even open the door. I left a letter in their mailbox. It went unacknowledged. In general, things settled down into a new normal, and I just focused on my life and my work and trying to move forward. I went home for the holidays and just hung out with my parents. Life was okay. Then, January 1st, I signed into an older email account that I haven't used in a while to reset a password. In the spirit of New Year digital housekeeping, I started going through old messages intending to close this account for good when I saw an email from my ex with the subject line, I win. I cannot describe the gut punch that I felt when I saw that mail. I freeze up now just writing about it. My ex, let's call him Matthew, was the perfect boyfriend until he wasn't. He became extremely controlling after our first year of dating. He wanted to control what I wore, what I ate, who I talked to, who I connected with, what I posted on social media, etc. He was very cunning and nuanced with the way he tore me down slowly over time. But then he slipped up. I found out he was cheating, and I woke up enough to get out of there. The breakup was a living nightmare. He refused to allow me to break up with him. We were living together. He installed tracking software on my phone and bugged my car. He had people at my job reporting to him on my movements. I couldn't get away from him. I couldn't hide. He kept showing up. He held my dog hostage. The police were useless because he was never physically violent and was careful not to write his threats down. I was in absolute hell for months, living under the terror that he would show up again. I had changed my job, my number, my address, my email account, my social media profiles were private. This was the one place I forgot to block him. The I win email was sent the day after the wedding. He had said that he became close with Bella after we broke up. He called himself the architect of my demise. He said he had fed Bella's paranoia about me and Barrett and that together they had planned my punishment. He said losing everyone important in my life was what I deserved. And then he said, we should get back together. No. Said what? Unless I wanted more unfortunate things like this to keep happening. Yes, he's a delusional prick. It took me a while to collect myself and get my shit together after reading that. I fell apart for a few days. My mom helped pull me back together and now knows the details about what happened with Matthew. She connected me with a family friend, an attorney that is currently helping me file for a restraining order against Matthew. I tried during the stalking period, but couldn't afford an attorney and was denied. I think with the email evidence and the attorney saying things the right way, it will be granted this time, but the hearing is not for another couple of weeks. It's on Zoom and Matthew will get a chance to be there. I am terrified to see him, even just on screen. If you read this, Matthew, please realize that I am not so terrified that I won't tase the out of you if you ever come near me again. Bravo. Once I had dealt with my own safety, I had the realization that I was in possession of absolute proof that the wedding incident was a setup. I considered blasting it out everywhere, but I still have so much shame about being in an abusive relationship and cannot bring myself to do it. So I decided to just forward it to Barrett with a small amount of explanation. Barrett did not respond to the email. I do not know what happened in Bella and Barrett's household after that, but what I do know is that two nights later, Bella drunk drove her car into my parents' house. While attempting to park in their driveway, she ran over their mailbox. When my parents answered the door, she started screaming about how I'm a home-wrecking slut. In her drunken ramblings, my parents were able to figure out that Barrett had left her. Her parents were called over from next door to collect their drunk daughter. My dad said they seemed extremely embarrassed. I know a lot of people here will probably be fist pumping the air that Bella met, met with some karma. I'm not one of them. 
Matthew is a monster, and I know firsthand how charming and convincing he is. Bella, much like I did, fell for his act. Her happiness has been destroyed by Matthew too, and I have a really hard time blaming her now that I know he was the one pulling the strings. But she also made her choices. I'm not dumb enough to reconcile it with her either. My number one priority is my safety, and anybody who has ties to Matthew is somebody I need to stay far away from. Bella will have to find her own path back to good. There is a role that opened on my team in another country, it's a manager position, which would be a promotion for me, and my boss thinks I should apply. While it would be harder, having even more distance from my folks, I think being in an entirely new country might help cultivate a new feeling of safety for me, one that I'm not sure I can get in this city for now. So that might be what's next for me. I don't really know how to end this properly. I'm just tired. Thanks for the support, Reddit. I probably won't sign into this account again. If you've just joined in, here's the too long don't read. My controlling ex-boyfriend Matthew was feeding Bella's paranoia about Barrett and I. He was involved with planning my punishment with Bella. He sent me an email to an old account bragging about his victory in destroying my relationships and asking to get back together. I forwarded the email to Barrett. Barrett left. Bella drunk drove her car into my parents' mailbox. I'm seeking a restraining order against my ex and am considering leaving the country. That is bonkers. Also, I, I, I know that there are people in chat who have had encounters or relationships with people who are maniacally controlling in a nonviolent way that is hard to hard to prove and hard to get away from. Um, and I feel for you because having someone who who is just a master manipulator and a wizard of Oz to behind the scenes, just turn your entire world upside down with minimal effort is terrifying and the fact that there are people who are willing to do that just to control you like he did all that because he wanted her back that's the that's the most terrifying part of all this he's like uh yeah this is what happens when you when you try to stay away from me now come back or unless you want more bad things like this to happen the yeah that is psychological warfare for sure um and man just just knowing that just knowing that there are protections in order for for physical abuse, but not for psychological is tough. Uh, and, and maybe there are, but it's just a lot. It's a lot more difficult to to prove and to enact. But there's a it's a lot more common for it to be psychological and they never quit. Man. Hey, Dusty Thunder here, and I wanted to thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that content, and if you did, please make sure to like, subscribe, and most importantly, share. Also, you can find swag and so much more at dusty-thunder.com, and you'll find even more content on all of our platforms. We're on TikTok, YouTube. We now have an official Facebook page that we'll be posting stories to as well. We have podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and so much more. You can see all of our content platforms on Linktree, which is linked in my bio. Engage with us wherever you're enjoying content and do your best to avoid the astronauts today. Thanks again.